I am Planta on the Line in Vancouver, British Columbia at thecommentary.ca. Sylvie Bigard joins me now. The award-winning food and travel writer has just published a new memoir, Cassoulet Confessions, Food, France, Family, and the Stew That Saved My Soul. It begins with an assignment to write about the uh, slow-simmered concoction known as cassoulet. Along the way and over the years, Ms. Bigard learns about the dish's history, its devotees, its guardians, and the southern French countryside from which it originated, chiefly the Occitan region. Sylvie writes so reverently of the meat and bean stew, getting her hands into the mix, as it were, butchering meat, gathering local ingredients needed for the cooking. As she does this, she's transported to a dramatic childhood in uh, Geneva, Switzerland. She reflects on her parents and their remarkable lives and the uniqueness of their family. She also confronts her own heritage, her own ancestry, and her idea of home. It's uh, such a rich book as everything comes together for Sylvie and yields a very satisfying book. I defy anybody to read this book and not want to uh, try to make cassoulet. And in the appendices at the end of the book, she includes recipes for cassoulet, and they each make allowances for one's aptitude or and or ambition in the kitchen. Sylvie Bigard's writing has appeared in such publications as the New York Times, the Washington Post, Food & Wine, Forbes.com, Severe, Bon Appetit, Edible, Departures, Travel & Leisure, and National Geographic Traveler. That's just in English. In French, she's contributed uh, to Le Figaro, Histoire Magazine, Le Temps, and FrenchMorning.com. Her website is at sbigard.com. This new book is uh, published by Hardy Grant Books. She joins me from New York City. Please uh, welcome to the Plant Online program, Sylvie Bigard. Ms. Bigard, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me, Joe. Thanks for joining us. Um, were you born in Switzerland? I was. I was born in Geneva. And, and so it's fascinating to read about your childhood as you write about it in your, in, in your book. Um, what was it like growing up in Geneva? I understand that you lived in a castle. Uh, castle or mansion, uh, some people have uh, said that it's sort of a mini Downton Abbey, but the truth is <laughs> the house uh, was uh, and is actually massive. Uh -huh. um, and it's uh, on Lake Geneva, so it has... Honestly, what I see as one of the most beautiful views in Europe, because yeah. you've got the lake and the beginning of the Prealps, and then mm. you've got the Mont Blanc, which is the highest summit in Europe, right there. So um, it's pretty magical. Yeah, and and was food was was that an important part of your growing up as well? So you have to understand something about me. I'm obsessed with food. Um, not just food, I'm also obsessed with travel, mm -hmm. but, um, but my parents were not very interested in food. Um, and actually, uh, if you read the book or when you read the book, uh, you'll discover that my parents had very, uh, different and difficult relationship with food, really. And they, they have such a fascinating, um, upbringing, both of them, um, uh, yes. uh, 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 uh I was going to say unconventional, but I, I, I would say more than anything, it's a very interesting marriage. And um, you can say that, all right. <laughs> and but, <laughs> but they're just such interesting um, people that that they're they're one of the parts of the book where I wanted to know more about them. And um, okay, even when you write about your mother, I mean, you you go back to her um, her parents. 
and and yes. their relationship even and, and and the experiences that your mother had during the war um yes and it comes in the middle of the book and, th- and th- that's what i thought was the heart of the book um where th- th- it's just one of these things that, that makes your book so special and that there's this ter- these di- very di- different elements that you managed to bring together so beautifully um I mean, it, I wish Thank the book you. was longer in, in, in some instances, <laughs> especially when it came to your parents and, and, and about them especially and what they meant to you. So it's interesting. I, this brings, brings two things to mind. The first is the experience I just had a, at a bookstore in Manhattan where I, uh, I went to sign some books, uh-huh. which is, you know, an amazing experience. Um, and uh, so I stepped into the, the bookstore, and there was a huge shelf for new nonfiction. So I was very excited. I, you know, I looked for my book, and I couldn't find it. It wasn't there. So I thought to the fiction, you know, I turned to the fiction shelf. I uh-huh. thought maybe somebody put it in fiction, but it wasn't there either. So I asked the owner, and I said, um, do you carry Catholic Confessions? And she said, oh, yeah, it's uh, in food writing by the cookbook. And I said, oh, and, and where's that? And so she pointed to all the way at the end of the, of the store. Mm. And I said to her, you know, um, it's really more than food writing. It's actually a family memoir. Yeah. And uh, it would be nice to see it in the nonfiction. So, you know, we, we can see what happens with that. But I'll tell you one scoop um, about my parents uh-huh. is that I've embarked on a new project. Um, and I'm actually working on a historical novel, mm. uh, so it's fiction this time, but it is uh, definitely based on some of the characters in Catholic Confessions. Yeah, there, there, there are parts of the book where you talk about them that, that if, if someone had written them, um, someone would say, well, no, that, that can't possibly be true. I mean, they're just such such amazing people in in, in very different ways. Um, was that important for you to, to to write about them as you do in the book? You know, um, I have to tell you, for years I became obsessed with Castellet, right? Mm-hmm. With this, um, you know, stew, this very rustic stew from Southwest France. And I, as a food and travel writer, I wrote about the dish, then I wrote about the beans, then I wrote about the pot, then yeah. I wrote about the herbs, and then the chef who became my castellet master. But I knew there was something else um, in there. I knew there was something deeper. And it took me many, many years to realize that somehow the difference between the way I was brought up and what I discovered in the family in, in France, the family of the chef, those things were intertwined. And I have to tell you, um, the book, I'm not going to tell you the book wrote itself because it was certainly, uh, you know, very difficult right. um, to, to write a book, my first solo book. Um, but the story had to be told. Yeah, and it, it, it's, it's, I, 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 I have a million questions about that <laughs> part of your life. But the problem is, if, if I ask them, it'll spoil the, uh, the, the book for readers. I know. And, and it's, it's, know. it's such a wonderful thing to read because I, I, I sat there just, sometimes your, your mouth would just drop. Well, your mouth would drop because the food, uh, sounded <laughs> good. 
But um, when it comes to these 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 bits about your family, it's just it's just marvelous. You mentioned a moment ago your your cassoulet master Eric Garcia, um, yes, of the uh, Academy Universelle du Cassoulet. By the way, so th- this organization is dedicated to the cassoulet. Is that right? It is, and it's still it's still there. It's still around. They're going through some leadership issues uh-huh. um, because actually Eric Garcia retired. Um, but yeah, it's still there and. You know, I mean, they they defend the cassoulet, but in fact, what do they defend? They defend authenticity. Mm. They defend, you know, slow food, um, and a lot of the values that that I'm sure you are not only familiar with, but I imagine you embrace as well. And and he comes. Uh, you introduced us in in, in the book um, at your first meeting. This is in 2008. Um, this is a yes. writing assignment that brings you to France. Um, he, he comes into the book. It's such a dramatic character, if you will. Um, he is. And, and throughout the book, as we read more about him, um, uh, sometimes a very strict taskmaster. Um, mm-hmm. But um, at the end of the day, the, the love of food, uh, the love of cassoulet especially, and, and the, the craft of it, I mean, really comes yes. through. I mean, he's got you butchering um, uh, animals. He's got you cutting onions. I mean, he, he really puts you through your paces, doesn't he? He does. I mean, he and I, I don't think it's spoiling things to say that, you know, he had me butchering a pig head yeah. uh, just off the plane after 36 hours of, <laughs> of traveling from New York City. That's what was waiting for me on the counter in the kitchen next to the white apron. Yeah, and, and it's a it's a marvelous way to look at food, isn't it? I mean, you could write an article about how to cook it, but I mean, introducing you to, to to the ingredients themselves, and even before they become ingredients, if you will, um, that's important. That I think a lot of us who who try to cook, at least in, on my part, uh, we need to do more of that, don't we? Yes, absolutely. And I think one of the reasons I I fell in love with this dish is also the fact that. In this dish, every ingredient, of course, is local. Yeah. Um, but every ingredient sort of, you know, sings its own song and its own has its own history in the region of, you know, what is now called Occitania. Um, you know, this, this sort of ancient region of France that some, you know, a lot of people don't know uh, that region. They you know, they go to Paris and they they go to Provence, and that's kind of it. It's so, really a gorgeous region. So, so, do they eat? I mean, I assume that they eat um, uh, cassoulet, say, in in Paris or, or or in the south of France. Oh yeah. But but it, 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 something that you stress in the book that that, that um, it the, the, as the ingredients vary, Chef yes. Garcia might think that that um, it shouldn't be called cassoulet in other parts of France, right? Yes, well, he has a very definite idea of what makes cassoulet and what doesn't. Um, but I'm sure there are amazing cassoulet in Canada. Actually, mm-hmm. I would love to come and do a story on the best cassoulet in Canada. I'd, I'd probably need two months to do, the, <laughs> <laughs> to do the trip. You actually um, spent a lot of time here in, in British Columbia, right? Yes, I have. I've, I've, been, uh, I've been to Tofino. I've been to Vancouver. Um, I wrote about uh, searching for Persebus um, mm. on Tofino. That was an amazing uh, story to 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 research and then to write. And actually, I, I got a pretty nice award uh, on that story. Yeah. 
And I've also been to the Gaspé Peninsula on, you know, on the other side. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and one of my dreams is actually to, to do a story along the Saint Laurent in the summer. I would love to do that. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that sounds yeah. delicious. Um, by the way, I mentioned the, this, this scene in the book. It's one, it's one of the more moving scenes um, where uh, Chef Garcia has you in the kitchen, and, and after you butcher a, a whole pig there, he um, gets you to peel, uh, I guess, what is it, a sack of onions? Um, yes. And then, and then you start crying. I found that one of the more moving parts of the book because everything seems to come together at that point, not just um, your story, if you will, that your, your assignment that you're working on, but all, all these various strands of your life that you, you, you start to think about. As, and it's not just the onions, right? No, it's not just the onions. It's, it's everything. And by then, you know, my father... Uh, has passed away, and uh, the the onions are kind of the key, you know. And so you turn that key, and then everything comes out. Yeah, it was a pretty intense moment. And and like any recipe, they are key, aren't they? I mean, it. it oh, absolutely. I mean, I, absolutely. I, Actually, yeah, there's a lot of onions and a lot of garlic in yeah. life. But by the way, you have recipes in the back of the book um, that yeah. are, that are great because they're they're whatever um, level of, of um, aptitude one has in the kitchen, um, you can you can pick one there, right? Or, or you can work your way up, if you will, to, yeah. um, to you know something that that's uh, out of Chef Garcia's kitchen. Uh, one of the things I, I'm allergic to cinnamon, and so I don't really like nutmeg. Um, mm. Or and and the other thing I don't like uh, are cloves as a result. Um, okay. are, are those things really necessary for, for making cassoulet? No, they're not. And honestly, I have to tell you, um, whatever works. You know, you want to put more rosemary, you mm. want to put thyme instead, it doesn't matter. I think, I think what matters is what beans you choose and make sure that the beans are not too small. When we were testing recipes with, uh, with my recipe tester, Marion Sultan, we, we tried several cassoulet. Actually, her husband doesn't really talk to me anymore because he's so <laughs> overdone with cassoulet. <laughs> but um, we, we really um, realized that, the, you know, the tarbe beans or uh, the cannellini, uh-huh. I'm not sure what you find in, in you know, uh, in Canada, but I'm sure there's a lot of choices. They have to be hefty. Mm. Um, so that they don't melt, you know, right. and that you don't end up with something that actually looks like barley at the bottom of the pot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it, you write about something that that I think a lot of people can relate to, and that, that some people don't like beans because they they, they make uh, them <laughs> fart. Um, but that's right. But not all beans are alike, and and um, you do have to look for these hardy beans for cassoulet, right? And and by no, the way, um, they have to be dried. Is that right? Yes, it's better to start with dry beans, absolutely. And, and they were easier to digest as well. You soak them, um, you know, for, for a while, uh-huh. sometimes overnight, depending on which recipe you choose. But I do have a recipe in the book, as you said, that is um, easy, easy to follow. You can start in the morning and eat cassoulet by, by, by dinner time. And the, the kind of... Um I guess vessel or dish that one makes this in. I mean, in in the book, you you talk about the the earthenware that's used. Um, I would assume yes. that that uh, a lot of us don't have that in our kitchens. Um, what can we do if we're if we're just starting out and and um, 
in using, say, that, that w what one might have in the kitchen, like a cast iron pan, would that, say, work? Yes, a Dutch oven will work. Uh -huh. um, you know, what, what we call a Dutch oven, a Le Creuset or something like that. Yeah. But I will tell you, um, and, and that's a really fantastic story that's come out of the book being published, um, I've actually uh, connected with a potter and a pottery studio in uh, Minnesota, uh -huh. not very far from you, named Clay Coyote. I'm having trouble pronouncing it this, but uh -huh. claycoyote.com. And uh, the owner of Clay Coyote, Morgan Baum, has created a clay castle, or, you know, that's the traditional name for the pot uh where the cassoulet should be baked. Uh -huh. And so she sent, you know, she can send this around. Um, it's not cheap, uh, but she sends the cassoulet for eight or ten people, uh -huh. and she pairs that with the book, and uh, and she sent one to me, and, it, you know, it, it doesn't break, and it goes in the oven. It's a wonderful way to cook, and she's a... Um, She's a potter, but she's also passionate about clay cooking and why, you know, cooking in clay, um, you know, the ancestral way, uh, you know, is, is better for you and also cooks in a much more consistent way. I'll bet, yeah. Um, by the way, can you use the casserole for anything else? Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, these, these casseroles are beautiful. The new one that she created is black, but she also has a yellow one that's conical because there's several shapes right and people yeah. um you know go to town or or, or fight about uh, which one is the best and which one is the most authentic um i use them i often make a salad i see um, yeah. and just serve it in that yeah i mean even as you, you write about it in the book it's such a beautiful um piece of cookware isn't it it is it, it's really and i think that they're um Website says at the intersection of food and art, mm. and that's really what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the the, uh, the baking of the um, stew, if you will. I, I, I hate to, to call it a yes. stew because it's more than a stew. It is a stew. Yeah, um, it, it yields a crispiness to it, and 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 so I'm, I'm wondering what is that like to see, and what is that like to eat? So that's that's magic, right? This crust is absolutely magic. Nobody really knows how it happens, and some chefs and some cooks want to be absolutely certain there'll be a crust, so they put breadcrumbs. Other people put cheese on mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Please don't. Um, <laughs> don't. Yeah. You don't need to. Yeah. I think that if, if, if you have, you know, if you have pork belly, if you have duck fat, if you have duck confit, um, the crust will happen, and mm. it's sort of a caramelized you know, sensual um, stuff that sort of happens, you know, at the at the top of the of the pot. And then the tradition is while it's cooking and it's cooking slowly, you break that crust and you put it, you know, you put it down and you let the crust, a new crust, uh, form again because it's really, you know, the best part of the cassoulet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you you mentioned um, sort of the history of, of, of the dish um, and how um, people would, in, in olden days, if you will, um, uh, prepare the stew, and then I guess on Sunday when they would go to Mass, drop it off at the baker, 
and then yeah. use, I guess, the, the baker's oven to, to do all this. Um, by the way, I was just wondering, w- would the baker in those days charge for, for that sort of service? I don't think they did. Yeah. I don't think they did because they were done with the with their oven. Right. And they just let the oven, you know, cool down, but it was still warm, and that, that was just... Uh, the perfect temperature to cook a cassoulet in. I hate to ask this question of you, Sylvie, because it, um, even even as I, I've, I've finished the book, I, I still don't know the answer. But um, do you have a favorite part? I mean, you just described the crust that's formed. Um, when you sit down for, for cassoulet or, or um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, depending on where where you're having it, I mean, is there is there a part that you really enjoy, that you really look forward to after all the cooking time, say? I have to say that I love, well, I'm a carnivore. I'm a carnivore with a high cholesterol who's trying to eat less meat. <laughs> so it's a very sad story. But um, the truth is I love, I love duck. Mm. And I love duck coffee. And I think that that duck, you know, having sort of bathed and marinated with these beans for hours, um, I mean, it's delicious, honestly. And you can't fail a gasolet. You know, that's the other thing. Some people are intimidated by French cuisine, yeah. but this is not the kind of French cuisine that that you should be intimidated by. It can't fail. Yeah, that, that that's the thing that that um, it gives reading the book. It, it gives one confidence that one wants to take this on, you know, next weekend. You know, for for the the big the big meal on the weekend. Yeah, well, I would I would recommend you start with what I call the gateway cassoulet, which uh-huh. is the easier recipe. You do that. You serve your family, you enjoy it, and then maybe you look at your calendar and you see when you have three days off, yeah. and then 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 you go for the real thing. Yeah, you work your way up, as, as I said earlier. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, one of the more uh, 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 one of the things that I read in your book that, that that gave me a great deal of relief was that duck fat is actually good for you, isn't it? It is. It absolutely is, and it, and it's. Uh, you know, something that uh, that was talked about, you know, in connection with the French paradox, right? Uh-huh. Um, the red wine and, and all of that, which turns out to be actually good for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, you also mentioned in the book, another, another the, the book is so full of these things. Um, um, you talk about salad niçoise, and um, mm-hmm. I, I found it fascinating. Was it Escoffier who actually used tin tuna for it? Yes, absolutely. The right, the right tuna for salad niçoise is not fresh tuna, um, seared, which some restaurant, you know, serve wanting to, you know, look pretentious or maybe because <laughs> yeah. they want to charge more. But, but it's not a, you know, it's not traditional. Uh, and depending on what kind of tuna and how it's been served, for example, if you get some of the, you know, Spanish tuna is very good, uh-huh. conserved in olive oil. Um, I don't know how Canadians feel about canned tuna. Americans don't like anything canned. Yeah. You know, I yeah. talk about that in the in the book as well. But there's a whole tradition of lovely food that's canned. Yeah, my my parents are Filipino, and um, ah. the 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 uh, the fascinating thing is when you go to that country, or even if you just you just say survey attitudes about. Uh, tin food, for example, tin food seems mm-hmm. to be, be because it, it comes from America. Um, 
it, it did come from America, you know, in the early part of the 20th century to the to the war. Yes. Um, yes. It, it's seen as a luxury as opposed to, say, fresh fruit. Yes. Um, which yes, is exactly. It's gone through the whole yeah. sort of a, the whole circle. Yeah. Your uh, friend Daniel Balud, with whom you uh, uh, collaborated on a, on a book previous to, to, to this, um, is Kessler something you'd find at, say, one of his restaurants? Yes, actually, Daniel has a, a cassoulet in the winter at Boulou Sud, um, you know, Boulou South. Yeah. Um, and that's across from Lincoln Center. And it's a very good cassoulet. It's actually, it's won awards, believe it or not. Yeah. The, what is it like as you're writing a book and, and having friends like him um, in, in the food industry, if you will, the food biz, um, talking about this dish? I mean, you, you must get um, such loving, reverent remembrances about this this food that that, um, that that you write about. I mean, people have a special relationship to it, don't they? Yes, they do. Actually, um, if you you know if you ask people, uh, have you ever had a cassoulet? And I just did that on Instagram. You know, I said, have you ever tasted cassoulet? And of course. Some people haven't, uh-huh. but a lot of the people who travel to France uh, have traveled to France, and I would imagine in, in French Canada as well. I mean, it is sort of a, you know, common uh, dish on the menu of, of some bistros and, and restaurants, and um, a lot of people have amazing memories. Oh, yes, I remember that dish. Because it's so convivial also, you know, you put that in the middle of the table and then you serve from that and immediately people are relaxed, you know. It's, uh, it's got a lot of qualities, honestly. There's another memorable scene in the book. I, I just I, I went to reread it again last night um, where um, you're uh, with some friends. Um, it's near the end of the book and um, you're missing Cassoulet. You're, you're, you're in New York. And yes. um, I, I guess these are Jewish friends of yours, and, and they're serving, is it pronounced Holland? Cholent? Cholent. Cholent, yeah. And yes. um, you're sitting at the table, and um, this look on your face c- comes across where you're immediately transported back to, to thinking about Castellet, and your host <laughs> asks you what's wrong. Yes. <laughs> you don't like Cholent, but, but it, it, it's very similar, isn't it? Well, yes, it's very similar, but I'm not going to talk about it too much because we don't want to spoil the yeah. whole epiphany time. Yeah. Uh, it is similar, and, you know, there's a lot of cultures that have similar beans to, I mean, it, for example, feijoada in Brazil, um, you know, it's a bean stew with, with meat. Uh, it's something very common. It's, it's primal. It's a primal dish. Yeah. By the way, I looked up Cassoulet on YouTube, and, and one of the videos that comes up is Jacques Pepin making it at home, and uh, he ah. he uses a hot dog. What did you make of that? Oy, I don't know. <laughs> I don't like it that much, but I can't talk to, to, to Eric Garcia about that because he'll hang <laughs> up on me again. <laughs> Uh, 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 one of the more beautiful parts of the book is w- when you talk about um, your ancestry or, or finding out really where home is. It's such an uplifting part of the book. Um, it, it, I, I think it's what makes the book so special. Well, what is it like to write that part of the book and, and share yourself essentially with readers? I mean, it's a lifetime journey that you've been on. And um, 
it, it really yields such a such a such beautiful writing. It's scary, Joe. I'll bet. It's scary yeah. to really put yourself out there, um, and uh, and I hope that uh, that people will understand what I tried to do. And um, like I said, this book had to be written. I think we are all, especially now after we've gone through, you know. COVID and all of this, I mean, I think we're all sort of wondering where is home, even if you were born in a place and haven't left it yet. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, why are we on this planet? Who are we? I think we're all asking these existential questions right now. Um, and uh, I remember one of the publisher who turned the book down said that it was uh, too niche. And I think it's the opposite. I think this yeah. is a universal story, actually. Yeah, I'm sure you'll hear this from readers who who will uh, finish Castle of Confessions and and share with you not just their experiences with Castle, for example, but uh, other dishes that they grew up with that mean a lot to them that they were thinking about as they were reading this book. Yes, and I I love to hear from readers. I have to tell you, um, on Saturday I had the big piece in the Wall Street Journal, uh-huh. um, and a lot of people have written to me, and I love that and. I respond, people asking me questions about the recipe and this and that. And I love sort of, you know, creating a community of, of people who, you know, have been touched by, by the story. Yeah, and um, we really need to think about our food a lot, not, not just carefully, but, but a lot more deeply, don't we? Because it really does, whatever we eat, whatever we like to eat, or even what we don't like to eat, um, there's, there are always stories there, aren't there? Well, it, absolutely. I mean, food is, you know, nutritious. We know that. But I think it's much more than that. I think that, uh, yeah, and I say that in a, in a piece I also, I wrote about other food memoirs that I loved, um, that, that food is really the vehicle, a, a main vehicle for nostalgia. Mm. Um, and, and I, you know, I'm not the first one to say that. Obviously, we have Pousse, and it was his Madeleine, and we have Ratatouille, if you watch the movie Ratatouille, where yeah. the food critic, you know, takes a bite and then suddenly is transported back in the kitchen of his mother. Um, and I think we all have that, whether it's a whiff of something on the street suddenly, something, um, you know, grilling uh, on, on one of those outdoor grills uh, here in the, in the, you know, New York City. Suddenly something takes you elsewhere, um, and it, it's worth you know, pausing over that. By the way, it's almost lunchtime here in Vancouver. I haven't had lunch yet, um, but uh, <laughs> I'm assuming you did. Uh, would you care to share with us what you had? Oh, I didn't have anything specific today. I uh, I just had a lentil soup, uh, you know, trying to find my protein away from the meat. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. What are you going to have? See, that this is the thing that I was thinking about as reading the book, because I've always had this relationship with, with beans, of trying to avoid beans. But um, because um, times are tough for a lot of people, we're hearing a lot of reading a lot of articles about how uh, beans are, are a great way to get protein. And um, yes. you know, reading your book, especially now, I want to try these white beans that, that are used in Kessler. Um That's yes. something that a lot of people um, should really look into, right? In terms of, of um, eating nowadays, Nutrition. yeah, and it's yes. affordable and it's accessible, isn't it? Absolutely, and and you can, you know, you can put a little bit of meat yeah. with a lot of beans, right? And yeah. a lot of beans and vegetables and fresh herbs. I mean, I 
you know, I keep saying this, fresh herbs are, are really the key. Forget the dried herbs, okay? Yeah. They, don't, they don't smell like anything. Indeed, indeed. I could talk all mm. afternoon with you, but I'll let you go. Um, <laughs> this is such a beautiful book, and um, I, you, I, I not in, only enjoyed it, but I was quite moved by it. So congratulations and, and continued good luck with it. I so appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank you very much, Joe. Take care. The website for more is at sbigard.com. The book is called Castellet Confessions, Food, Friends, Family, and the Stew That Saved My Soul. It's uh, published by Hardy Grant Books. Its author, Sylvie Bigard, joined me on the line from New York City. In Vancouver, I'm Joseph Planta.